0: will be his will it's okay to ask it's okay to ask God say Lord won't you do this we know he can because the Bible tells us that with God all things are possible but then sometimes he says no I've got another plan and you know that's the point where the devil wants to come into mind in your life and make us get upset at the Lord boy who turned the heat on it is warm up in here But you know what? Whenever we get on board with his will, don't we sleep a lot better at night? He never sleeps or slumbers so that, you know, we don't have to worry about it. We can go to bed and rest just fine every single night as long as we're hanging on to his will. And that's what this has been about, this, this uh, I don't know, what are we on now? Fifteen or sixteen of these or something like that, so hey. That's okay, you can throw it away. It was just a note so I wouldn't forget. I done not forgot so we can get rid of it. But We've been talking the last couple of weeks about, uh, you remember last week we was talking about how you can ask God enough and he'll tell you the answer and then you keep asking him. The reason you keep asking him is now you're trying to convince God to get on board with you. It never works that way. Can I get an amen? If we get that in our spirits, we'll be okay. Because if we keep doing it, he may just say yes. We got proof in the Bible. We showed that the last week. Left old Balaam in a bad place. He never could see what God was trying to show him. And when we can't see what God is trying to show us, the the culprit is, is the deception of sin. There's sin somewhere, and it keeps us from seeing what God's trying to show us and what he's trying to do. That's how it can be well with our soul. I know when I got saved that day, I was going to heaven if I died. I also know as I've been growing as a Christian, God reveals things to me about me that doesn't fall in line with him and his word and his will. And then he says, okay, I'm showing this to you. You're now strong enough to take it and and do something with it. Remember what I told you? We first have to be able to see there's a problem. We've got to identify what the problem is. Then we've got to find the solution. It's not in an iPad, but it's in the Bible on the iPad. And Then we've got to take action. Leave any of those steps out. The devil's done fooled you, he's done tripped you, and he looks to trip us up, right? That's what he wants to do. So we're going to go on. With this this morning, because I'm telling you we're building to somewhere, I pray that you've been praying about what we've been learning and letting the Holy Ghost do his work inside of you to look at you and to see how he sees. We want to be able to see how God sees. And he will deliver us. He will take us where we need to go. But this message this morning is titled, Counterfeit Jesus. Now, I've got an 1865 coat down at the house. I started to bring it this morning, but I figured if I pulled it out to show it to you, then Jeff and some of these guys would probably just lay down on me, (laughs) shoot me. But it ain't real. It wasn't made in 1865. It's a replica. And that's what we're talking about this morning. A replica Jesus, a knockoff, if you would. Right? You can get knockoffs. I remember when Hummers first came out, or before they came out, they had a kit you could buy, put it on a GM chassis, build it yourself. But it wasn't the real thing. It was a knockoff. Looked like it. Didn't perform like it. Couldn't perform like the original. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to talk about a counterfeit Jesus. And you're probably saying, well, what in the world is that? That's a Jesus that is not the real deal. That's a Jesus that we will pick out of the Bible, some of it. Jesus dealt with the same thing with the Pharisees when he came. He, was, he clarified stuff for them. They didn't like it, and they had to kill him because Jesus was messing up their world, and they didn't want that. And so there are a lot of professing believers today who are worshiping a false god. They call him Jesus, and they carry a Bible, but they already know the places they're going to avoid reading in the Bible. And not only are they like that, denominations are like that, pastors are like that, Sunday school teachers are like that, Christians are like that. Not all, but a good many are. I'm going to show you this morning because it's going to blow your mind. So try to stay awake. If you get sleepy, stand up because you don't want to miss it the devil wants you to go to sleep. He don't want you to hear this. Stand up! I don't care. We're in church, and you know what? There's no formality here. You need to walk around, get up, walk around. You're not gonna bother me. The Holy Ghost is leading. It ain't gonna bother me in there a bit. Amen? Amen. If he ain't, it will, but it ain't. So let's get started this morning, and we're going to talk about the counterfeit Jesus. God brought Israel to Himself. He said uh, they were come out of Egypt. It, if you look at coming out of Egypt, it's kind of symbolic of our salvation, of being brought out of the world. Would that be a fair statement to make? So it, it shows us that God can do these things and God will do these things. And he, you know, he appeared to Moses in a burning bush on Mount Sinai. That's how Moses ended up headed that way. And then he listened to what the instruction of the Lord was while he was there. He was ridiculed. He was put down. He was ridiculed both by Pharaoh and by the Israelites, the Hebrew children. But he hung on to God and did what God wanted done. And the end result was, is these people miraculously came out. You remember the firstborn was dying of, of everything in Egypt, the cattle, the people, all of it. Their economy was destroyed because they didn't heed to what God's command was. Here's the thing. God actually hardened and softened Pharaoh's heart even though he wasn't a follower he takes chase after God says now go after him and then a bad move on his part because he ended up following them across when the waters were opened up you remember the story and then they drown. and so we have a pretty miraculous thing don't we to talk about they had a pretty miraculous thing to talk about And Moses was following God to lead them to Sinai so they could have a similar kind of encounter just like he had had. You see, that's what God wanted all along. He wanted them to have that same kind of a relationship. He wanted to talk to them. He wanted to converse with them. He wanted to be with them. In Exodus 19 and 3, and we're going to be in Exodus this morning, so if you just stick your finger in there, just a few few places to turn to get to where we want to go, but we're going to pretty much be in Exodus this morning. In 193, it says, Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain, saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the children of Israel, you have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. If you're saved this morning, you remember the day that the Lord brought you to himself. I do. And I can remember a million times probably, if he would put them all in my head in, in that time frame, that he has kept bringing me to him. There was a little piece of me that didn't get it, that didn't quite understand or refused to receive it, and he just keeps bringing me to him. You see, that shows that his divine motivation Is to save us from the world, folks. The stuff that's going on in the world, and that that shows us that God is the one that is longing to have fellowship with us. He he wants to he wants to have a father and a child relationship, if you will. You know, Megan and Ryan, they sweetie said she was pregnant, and you know we decided we're gonna have babies, and then she comes back and she says, "Well, I'm pregnant." Well, good. It was a good thing, and it's every time we'd decided to have a baby, it, it wasn't long, we was, I'm pregnant. But we sat there, and we longed for those babies to get here. Wanted to see what they looked like. Wanted to see what they was going to do. Wanted to have that interaction with them. Ashley and Bobby, you're there. You're wanting to have that relationship, so you're kind of getting to feel what God was feeling with them. You just can't wait to see what your, your, your baby looks like what it's going to turn out to be. And that's exactly what God was doing. It, uh, he wanted to have that relationship. But he also said you need to have some special preparations in order for us to have a good meeting with one another. Look in verse 19 of chapter 9. I mean verse 9 of chapter 19. And the Lord said to Moses, behold, I come to you in thick cloud. In a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and believe you forever. So Moses told the words of the, of the people to the Lord. And then the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes and let them be ready for the third day. For the third day, the Lord will come down upon Mount Sinai in the sight of the people. And all that God is saying here is He's saying, look, I want us to have an authentic encounter. Not a fake one. I want us to have an authentic encounter. I want us to have this relationship. But you must wash the dirt of Egypt off of you. That's the picture when we're saved. As God reveals things to us, there's stuff that goes with the flesh and hangs on to us. We hang on to it. And God's saying, let me show you this. This has got to come off of you in order for us to have an authentic relationship. That's what he wanted with the people. And, and you know, isn't it hard to have a meaningful relationship with somebody who's selfish? I mean, they only want what they want. When they ain't getting their way, they ain't got no use for you. They're worried about what you can do to better their life or, or affect their life better. God said, No, we're going to have to have a, an authentic relationship. So God came down on the Mount Sinai and introduced himself to them. And look what happens in Exodus 20, verse 19. Then they said to Moses, You speak with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us, lest we die. Can you imagine God's disappointment? he done everything he could to bring them in. He rescued them from, from slavery. He was taking them to the promised land, but yet they did not want to hear from him. That would be like Megan and Ryan, my kids, coming to me tonight and saying, Dad, I don't want to hear from you anymore. You, you tell somebody else and let them tell me because I don't want to hear from you anymore. I want to have a relationship, but I don't want to hear from you. That would be just like my kids doing that. So God had to do something, and he established the priesthood. He he did what, kind of what they were wanting. Look at verse 24. Then the Lord said to him, Away, get down, and then come up, you and Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through and come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. You see, that wasn't God's original plan. He wanted everyone to be able to communicate with him. That's why we get to pray today. We pray in the name of Jesus, the one who bought the right. He paid for it on the cross with his blood. He took the stripes so that we, at any moment, anywhere, we can call on God in the name of Jesus and he will hear us. And God wanted that a long time ago. He wanted that a long time ago, but they didn't want to have that. In Exodus 19 and 6, he says, And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Didn't Peter say that in 1 Peter 2 and 9? That you are a royal priesthood. You are. You don't have to go to church and God a Prophecy to get a tag to put on the wall and carry something in your wallet. If you know Jesus, you're part of the royal priesthood. Every one of us know people. We got loved ones that we know, and we're to be that that speaker. We're to be the ones to reach out for them. We're the ones to pray for them. We let others know. See, when we get together and pray together, when we stay hooked up together, then we're able to call upon God. We know what's going on in lives. We know and we get strengthened. We keep each other lifted up. That's what God had intended. And we actually don't have any record that Aaron ever made it up to the top of the mountain. The Bible doesn't say it. He wound up back in the camp with the people. Moses, on the other hand, he was up there for 40 days and 40 nights. But Aaron, something happened. He didn't go, he didn't listen. He didn't follow what God. And this is where the fake God comes in. You see, they're talking to God, and I'm going to tell you how I know that is because the word in the Hebrew is Yahweh. Yudhe Vivhe is the letters. You take the consonants out, we say Yahweh or Jehovah. They knew who God was. But check this out. Exodus 32 and verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, the people gathered together around Aaron and said to him, Come, make us gods that shall go before us. For as for this Moses the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. You see, the people had desires that they wanted fulfilled, and they needed a man of God to accommodate them. Aaron had a a gift, a gift of leadership. People who have a gift of leadership, people will flock to them. They'll get around them, right? You get in a ball, ball team or you go to a job, even this guy may not be the supervisor, but don't everybody go and talk to him about what they're dealing with. Hey, how do I do this? What's best for this? Why? Because the guy that got the promotion, it really isn't, it should be his job, it should be this guy's job. You know what I'm talking about? Because they have a gifting, and people will be able to come and talk to him. And so they attract people to him, and that's an important point I want you to understand this morning. People are drawn to strong leaders whether the leader is obeying God or not. Let me say that again. People are drawn to strong leaders, whether that leader is obeying God or not. Just because a leader can draw a big crowd and a big following to them doesn't necessarily mean that they are in sync with God. The only way we can find that out is we got to know the book. We got to do the book. We got to understand the book. We got to be able to listen to what God's telling us. And if we get outside of the book, it doesn't matter how charismatic they are or how good they can get people to follow them. Be wary. Be wary of what is going on. So Aaron, he does something. He gathers all the gold, gets their earrings and all their stuff. He's going to do what they have asked him to do. And he makes a golden calf in verse thirty-two in chapter 32, verse 4 of Exodus. And he received the gold from their hand. And he fashioned it with everything, with engraving tool and made a molded calf. And then they said, this is the people saying, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. So when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And he made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. This guy, is the, he's the priest. He's the guy that they look to. You see, the people look to this image, this golden calf that was made, and actually called it God. They called it Yahweh. A few days earlier, he said, I want to come down on the mountain and I want to talk to you. I want you to know who I am. Oh, no, we don't want to do that. But we'll make a graven image. Idols come from our hearts, folks. Told you a few weeks ago, that can be stuff, it can be people, it can be uh, things that we do. That's where the idol lies. And if we're the ones making the idol, then that would make me what? God. That means that idol can only do what I tell it it can do. (laughs) Right? That means when I find something in here I don't like, I'm God, you're not God. I'm going to decide what we're going to hold on to and what we ain't. I'm the idol, really, because I'm going to be the God. See, we can't tell God, no. Well, we can. He gives us free will. But man, the minute you do that, the devil is waiting outside the door to come in. He's just waiting for that moment. He's waiting for those times to happen. You see, they didn't deny that God exists. Whenever they use the word God, this is our God, this thing keeps falling off for some reason or another. Anyway. They didn't deny that God existed. They knew he was the one that brought them out of, out of Egypt. But they had a problem with the man that God sent to them. That was the problem. We don't even know where he's at. He's up seeking God. He's here for your betterment. He's here seeking what God wants you to know. So you see... Well, we know God. We believe he's the one that brought us out, but I don't know about this Moses cat. Well, God's the one that called him. He didn't call them. Right? Otherwise, he would have led them out into the wilderness. Otherwise, he would have got them to the place to see the burning Bush. This is what God wanted. And they said, well, we don't know about this fella." And that's whenever idolatry started slipping in. They started to determine what was right and what wouldn't. So, That's what we have going on this morning. Everybody clap your hands. Let's wake up. I know this is hard to get, but we got to wake up because the devil wants you to be Lord. I know I don't have the best voice in the world, but I'm not God and I didn't choose me. He did. Take it up with him, I guess. I don't know. Maybe he'll give me something special, but we got to wake up and get this. Otherwise, we keep walking down here in the place of weakness. That's what this series is about. Why are we weak? Why is the church so weak? Because of idolatry, we found out it's the sin of, of idolatry. We don't want what God has. We, it's the stuff that keeps us. You see, they just, they took God and they turned His true image into an image that they could manage. Made Him into what they wanted Him to be. Is that happening today? It is? Oh, Okay. See, God was somebody for them who would give them what they wanted. I've been there. Are you? Oh, yeah. I've been there. I got saved. I had some opportunities. I left this church one time. All because I was angry. Because somebody wanted to run their mouth to me. I know now that that's wouldn't Right. Thank God I was able to see different. You remember. The man gave me space. He followed what God said. You understand? You didn't pound on my door. I know you was praying. You had to be, otherwise I wouldn't have come back. But my pastor was praying for me. My pastor knew there was nothing he could do in and of himself, but he knew God could. Do You understand what I'm talking about? He was doing what God told him to do. He was being the Moses. Thank the Lord. I got it into this thick skull of mine. My mom and daddy was able to get saved, I think, because of what I was able to sew into them. I didn't save him. Only he could do that, but I was being the little puppet he was using. He was giving me the words. He was telling me what to do. I didn't know it at the time. He knew what he was doing. So we got to hang on to him. When the boat starts to rocking, hang on to Jesus because he's in there with you. Hang on to him. Hang on to him because he's with you. And if he says, be still, the wind will stop. And the water will get smooth. Hang on to Jesus because the devil says, no, I'm coming. What's he do? To kill, steal, and destroy. What is he like? A lion. What does a lion do? Oh, but they're, they're very cunning. They go for the weakest of the herd. And they separate them from the herd. And then they devour them. That's why he gave us that in the Bible, right? Right? We talked about discontentment a few weeks ago. If you're discontent because something happened that you just didn't like, get over it. Because that's the trick of the devil. And that's what he wants to do. And brothers, I've only been here seven years, but I've seen it happen. I didn't get my way. And just sit back and watch devil just comes in like that little snake that he is and he just starts weaving his way in and he was going to take anybody that's associated with that person brothers, sisters, kids, family whoever and he's going to wreck havoc all because I didn't get what I wanted hang on to God hang on to God because these folks obviously didn't so they had to make a golden calf Uh, where was I got a little bit off track there. God forgive me. You see, whenever this happens, you know, the deception of idolatry, we make a knock off Jesus, we make a fake Jesus, one different from who he really is, and we call it Christianity. I put the quotations up there simply because it's not real, it's not capital, because we call it Christianity. Got a little piece of Jesus here and a little bit of Hindu there, and let's get some Muslim in here. Well, shoot, we can even be a little bit atheist if we want. And that's what happens. Why? Because we want our own desires. We can do what we want with our Jesus's permission. Am I right? We get to do what we want with His permission. I think. I feel, I believe, I'm so happy for you. I'm glad you think, feel, and believe. But friend, if it don't work out and it don't go in line with what this thing says, you better rethink, you better refill, you better re-believe because this is where truth lies. And it will set you free. The other stuff will bind you up. It will bind you up and it will destroy you. Sin lies at the door and wants to come in. Remember the other week we talked about that. It wants to come in. Romans 1 and 21, we'll just put a New, De- New Testament reference on here. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify Him as God, nor were thankful. Well, what is the opposite of thankful? Discontentment. God don't put that in you. God wants you to do something. He's going to put it in you. Then you're going to fight against it. Her brother Murphy said a lot. I've been called to preach. Well, are you sleeping good at night? And it's true. That's why we have so many people today, these guys, I've been called to preach, and they'll go and spend $200,000 in a seminary somewhere. I call it a cemetery. You got a Bible, read it. They got all these degrees hanging on the wall, and they go and they get put inside of a church. And let me tell you something, sheep bite. Why? Because they're hurting. And it takes somebody that's called of God to be able to help them to get through it. Sometimes the sheep will run off. They don't want to have it. That's fine. At some point, though, you have to repent. You've got to come back to where you fell off of the wagon and start over again because you can't get back on the path over here. You can't pull a big circle because you still got this sitting in you. And the devil says, oh, that's okay. And you're going to have preachers and people that's going to put out little pieces of scripture to tell you oh that's okay. No it's not. Because unrepentant sin leads to where? Death. Okay. Yeah listen to what it says. Because although they knew God they did not glorify him as God nor were they thankful but became futile in their thoughts. And their foolish hearts were darkened. Hey, let me tell you something, friends. You want to find trouble with somebody, let them do something to you you don't like. And all of a sudden, now they, they was a good guy. Now they can't do anything right. That's the deceitfulness of sin. I mean, folks, we got to have this conversation because Jesus is getting ready to come back. And he's coming back for a bride. Ooh, that's made herself ready. That's what he's coming back for. Are you ready? You got junk sitting in your heart. I'm—that's my job. I'm the Moses guy right now. We gotta fix it. I'm not Moses. I'm Ken. But we both made after the likeness of God, and if we hang on to Him, He's gonna tell us what to say. He's gonna tell us what to do. And we gotta hang on to that. Whew. Sweating all my papers and links running. Verse twenty-two of Romans chapter one professing to be wise, they became fools. We, we discussed this a few weeks back, so I'm not going to rehash all that, but that's the place when you start heading down the wrong road. Get turned over to a debased mind. You don't understand right and wrong. Right and wrong is whatever you say it is, and it is. It'll change day to day, week to week. Whatever fits best for me. And that's what God says I'm going to turn them over to. So let's go to Exodus 32 and 7. Let's keep on. And the Lord said to Moses, said to Moses, Go, Get down, for your people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a molten calf and worshipped it and sacrificed to it and said, This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And the Lord said to Moses, I have seen this people, and indeed it is a stiff-necked people. What in the world is a stiff-necked people? Somebody's been in a car wreck and can't turn and look. No, they're stubborn. Told you to lie four weeks ago, stubbornness is a sin. Particularly when you're not going to listen to God. Well, it ain't what I like, God. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, God could care less about your comfort in this world right now. He is worried about where you're going to spend eternity. That's what He's focused on. That's what He's focused on. He ain't worried about our comfort level, but the devil is. You ain't comfortable. You just needed to go here, do this. That's what he does. He's already lost. He lost at Calvary. So, folks, we get to stand from a place of victory. That's where we fight from. We got the high ground, and by the way, we got the weapons. We got Jesus as our commander. This is the sword. It's not to beat people up. Don't get into this thing that the world is in now because you don't feel good about it. This is a warning. It's not beating nobody up. I want to have supper with you someday. I want us to go hang out at the river and and wet a line. But I'm not going to sacrifice those good times to hold back truth. And it's not beating up. That's what the devil tells you it is. Amen? Got to get you with me here. Okay, okay. Where was I? You see, these people were completely out of control. Moses comes down, man, they're throwing a party. A party. They got everything in the world going on. It doesn't say it, but I, I wouldn't doubt what sexual immorality might have been in on that. I mean, it just says they were eating a lot and in and, and, and revelry is what it was talking about. That's what it said. But it was not pleasing to God. so he told Moses he said man you get back down there so he goes he's standing right at the gate of the camp you see there was some reckoning that needed to take place anybody know what reckoning is some reckoning had to take place there was some confrontation that had to happen and it came from God Exodus 32 and 25 now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies. The enemies could see that these people was not, well, I thought y'all was God's people. Don't the world do that all the time? My goodness, Christians even do that. And you supposed to be a preacher? And you're supposed to be a Christian? What does that create? The way I just said it, your hand on the hip, shaking it what does it say it's a wedge it didn't come from Jesus no it didn't come from Jesus Jesus said what he said and he meant what he said he didn't repeat it God don't repeat it well he repeats it when he really wants you to get it and this stuff is repeated all throughout big time and so Verse 25, now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained for Aaron had not restrained them to to their shame among their enemies then Moses stood at the entrance of the camp and said, whoever is on the Lord's side come to me. We don't take sides with the Lord simply by professing his name and singing some songs to him and coming to church once a week or once a month or every six months or Easter and Christmas. We're not taking sides with the Lord that way. We choose his side by choosing to live according to what he declares. That's where it comes in. You understand? And the devil's sitting there telling you this morning, I can't stand that guy, I can't stand the way he preaches Oh, he that's called conviction let God fix it right. let God fix it, he will and then all of a sudden the scales come off the eyes and you can see how he sees then you can see the devil for who he is because he'll tell you to attack this guy and then you'll go to the next church and you'll finally get mad with that guy and, and you'll go to the next church and all the while he's working his work in, his, in your family, why? because you've done left God back here you understand what I'm talking about you gotta hang on to Jesus. You gotta do what he says. We gotta do the book. We gotta do the book. Charlie, can you put up those stuff I gave you? I told you I was gonna give you some numbers. Don't get bored with them. But I want I want you to see what's going on here. Oh. The US population is 326 million, twenty one six hundred and twenty as of Friday. They got a little number thing it runs. Those that are claiming Christianity, that they are followers of Jesus, is 228.1 million, which is 70% of our population. i got a question for you. Why is all this stuff getting passed of a government that is for the people, by the people, and of the people, and we're Christians? How does that happen? See, that's the writing on the wall. If we was in Daniel, that would be the writing on the wall because we think we're okay 70% of this population professes to being a Christian there are 300,000 church buildings in America there are 300,000 pastors at work right now I hope following the Lord I'll let you figure that one out here's the one that blew my mind somebody hold a Bible up Brother, brother they hold your Bible up The the iPad just don't get it done. I'm curious. Does anybody know how many chapters? Because I don't know really. I really want to know how many chapters is in it. There's 66 books. How many chapters is in that book? Anyway, there are 33,000 denominations in the world from that book alone. 33,000. I didn't say 33. 33,000. Brother Murphy's got his calculator out. Praise God. And all that simply is is various interpretations of the word. Well, I don't like that part. We'll mark it out. See, God says he changes not, right? So how do we got variances from that book? called idolatry hit the next one Chuck those that believe that it's necessary to have be, to believe in God to be moral and then there are some that says not necessary to believe in God the American population as a whole 42% of the people say that they believe that it's necessary to believe in God to be moral 56% says no Post-graduates, thats the guys that's got the big degrees. You know, they—they well, they work theses and stuff like that. They've done did their four years and they're going bigger. Twenty-two percent—only twenty-two percent—says you got to have God to be moral. That's what our universities are teaching. College graduates. Megan's going to be this, and I hope she don't fit into this category. But thirty percent believe that you don't need the God to be morally right, to be morally okay. High school graduates, 56%. That's only half of the population that believe you need God. Check the next one. Church. Only 57% of Christians, believers out of that 228 million, only half of them, a little over half, believe that you need God in order to be morally correct. I'm giving you this to show you what the devil's doing. And don't be listening to all these lies. How many said should you attend weekly? I don't know where this came from. I'll tell you where it came from here in a second. 66% says you need to attend church once a week in order to be morally correct with God or to get the morals. So where's that other 14% at from the American people? I don't get it. They believe something about God but they should attend weekly. Well, they're getting close to right because we need not to forsake the assembling of ourselves. Otherwise, you get cold from the herd. And the devil's waiting at the door. Hit the next slide, Chuck. We're going to talk about a couple of subjects that it's pretty easy not to deny what the Bible says, right? Same-sex marriage or relationships. Can we all agree that the Bible says it's wrong? Shake your head, stomp your foot, do something. It's in the book of Romans. It's throughout the Bible. So it's wrong. Right? And I'm showing you two big ones, but there's a whole lot of little stuff. That's where we get the 33,000 offshoot of denominations. 62% of Americans support gay marriage. That's the population as a whole. Well, how is it that happens and we got 70% that are Christian? That only leaves 30%, right? They got an excuse. They don't believe in God. So, we mean to tell me church people believe that? Huh. In adult Americans, in 2001, 35% favored gay marriage. In 2017, 16 years later, it's 62% of Americans now favor gay marriage and relationships. If you want to do it by gender, in 2001, 32% of men favored and 38% of women. In 2017, it jumped up to 60 and 64, as you can see. Something's happened with the moral compass of our country. Sadly to say, it's happened inside of the church walls. I'm going to blow your mind again here in just a minute. How many's here today? Count off, everybody. Start with you. No, no, no. We don't have time. I say 100. 110 maybe. 93. He counts fast. so I was close, about 100. Hit the next slide, Charlie. 54% of Christians, those that are claiming, support gay marriage and relationships. Now, there's a lot more numbers I didn't stick up there, but I'm going to show you just some, and they're actually below that, that 54%. That means there's a whole bunch of other ones that are higher. That's how you get a percentage, right? The Church of God, 22% of Church of God members say that gay marriage is okay. If there's a hundred of us in here, 22 of you think it's okay, putting it into perspective for you. Can I tell you that? But we're talking as a whole, we're talking about them in America. That tells you that there are people in our denomination today who Says, you know what, I think it's okay. The seven-day Adventists. you know, we talk all bad about them, but at least they're hanging on to this, and 27% say it's okay. Southern Baptists, 30%. Non-denominational, 36%. Inter, inter, independent Baptists, 39%. Interdenominational. See, the numbers are rising. And from that point, they go way out the roof. That's how we get the percentage of 54% of Christians Think that it's okay. Then we wonder why our government is doing what they're doing. They're doing what the people want. Complain about them all you want. They might not be doing what I want. They may not be doing what you want, but they're doing what the people want because these are the figures. What happened? What happened? Next chart. Let's talk about another one called abortion. Can we all sitting in this room today agree that abortion is wrong? It's sin, it's killing, it's murder. Now, if you've had an abortion, I can tell you God can cleanse you and set you free because that's who he is. You don't have to carry that burden. Don't let the devil beat you up. I want you to understand that. We've all made decisions, and we all got stories. But he sets us free. 57% of Americans are for abortion. Let's look at the churches, Jehovah's Witnesses. They're the best ones. Only 18% of them think that it's okay. Let's look at the Church of God, 20%. Now, it sounded overwhelming when you all spoke up, but putting it into perspective, 20 of you think that it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. And one reason I'm pointing this out to you, because when you have a belief that's other than God, that is called sin. I don't, I don't want this to sound wrong. It ain't just about drinking, smoking, chewing. It's about here. See, when Christians are doing this over carpet and windows and all kinds of stuff, and they just and they sit around in their little circles, I'm not getting in your circles. Amen. If I come into your circle, we're going to talk about it. We're going to do it how Jesus said, and you're either going to get set free or you're going to take off out the door. We're going to do what Jesus said because we have to fix it. Ain't that my job? Oh, by the way, it ain't just my job. It's yours because we are a royal priesthood. Understand? I'm not trying to be mean. But we're wondering why we're weak. Well, why ain't we having these services? Why would God come in and give us a false sense of blessing whenever we got stuff that's wrong with us? He won't. Oh, we can conjure up stuff. We can do that. But it ain't real because it's fake. It's a fake Jesus. The Mormon Church, 27%. Southern Baptist, 30%. Seventh day Adventist, 42%. American Baptist, USA. Catholic, 48%. Think that it's okay for abortion. Muslim 55%. They all ain't blown over to that. National Baptist 57%. United Methodist 58. 68. I can't tell it. I got it in down here. Anyway, you, you get the idea. You get the idea. That think that abortion is okay. Do we got an one, Charlie? That's it. Let me ask you a question, brothers and sisters. There's 33,000 denominations. The reason there are 33,000 denominations because there's been 33,000 leaders who are motivated and they get people to follow them who erase things and add things to this book. And it's called sin when that happens. And that's the nature of what it is. It ain't about baggy pants, long hair, and hippies. It's about a heart condition. We can point to all this other stuff. No, we've got to get down to the heart of the problem. Otherwise, we got the same old, same old. And here's the thing. Jesus gave us something in the Word. He said that when he comes back, only half of the church is going to be ready. Parable of the Virgins. I believe he gave us a parable. I think he, believe he gave us a prophecy there. Half were ready and half weren't. He also told us that there's going to be some on that day that's going to come to him on Judgment Day and they're going to lay their list of ideas out to him and he's going to say, I don't know who you are. We in the name cast in the name. That's right. Preach in the name, cast out devils in your the name. They're going to tell the, all the ideas. All because they're looking in the mirror, breaking their arms, patting themselves on the back, playing, playing church. I pray we get... I hope every seat gets filled up in here on Easter I think we'll have a bigger crowd we have in the last seven years I guess you noticed it over the years too we come to church on Easter and we come on Christmas preacher don't you preach against Santa Claus made that mistake one time didn't back away from it though Amen. that's right. a that's right. <laughs> to you your kids and how can they trust you anything else <laughs> but man, that's beside the point we're all adults in here so let's call it what it is Is idolatry a problem? Idolatry is a huge problem. If it doesn't get fixed, the false god that we worship, he can't do anything. We might call him Jesus and we might pick out things in the Bible, but he ain't real. Have we created a Jesus who will give us whatever our misled passions desire? Sure. When you see this among believers, it's called misled passions. If everybody's praying and seeking God, we all head to the same place. That's how the Holy Ghost fell on the day of Pentecost. They were in one accord. They didn't have an opinion one way or the other. Where the chairs are lined up straight up. By the way, we did the carpet this week. Yay. It looks good, too. Boy, if you saw these chairs sitting over there, it looked like a football field where all y'all walking through the lines. Do you see what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters? And I know it seems like it's hard but it is actually exhorting. It lifts us up. Why? Because we get closer to Jesus when we face ourselves. So, there are many people in the church that are deceived today, just like these Israelites were. Who are the Moses who will come down from the mountain of God and confront deceived people with a heart full of fire and love? See, a lot of people don't do that. A lot of ministers don't do that because they don't want to lose the following. Friends, it's supposed to be you and me. It's supposed to be us. I'm going to read this scripture for you, and I'm about done, okay? We did it last week, and I want you to get it in your heart. James chapter 5, last two verses, Charlie. 19 and 20. Brethren, James is talking to believers. This does not apply to the people of the world. He's talking to believers. Brethren, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, that can happen. And someone turns him back, that would be us with each other. Instead of beating each other up, we help each other up. We do it by pointing out the sin and we do it by love so we can overcome it, right? That's what we do turns him back, let him know that he who turns a sinner, now you went from being a brethren, now to a sinner. Do you see that? Who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will do what? Save a soul. How does a soul die? When it's away from God, folks. Yes, I want you to come in, I want you to get saved, but we got to understand something. The minute you get saved, you're okay. The minute God reveals something to your heart, then there's something, and we're going to talk about this in the next couple of weeks, called repentance. Without repentance, there is no salvation. And as you grow and as God shows you something about you, and you say, no, I don't like that, that's not true, I feel, I believe, I think, and it's different than what this is, you've just said, I'm God and you ain't. He ain't Lord anymore. And death is what follows. Folks, Jesus is coming back soon. I believe with all my heart. It's getting bad. I gave you the numbers. We're talking about church. We're talking about Pentecostal people. And some of you are sitting here probably this morning saying, I don't agree with that. Okay. Take it up with God. I'll sit down with you. I'll pray with you. Let's get the Bible out. Let's let it work. Let's reason and let him do what he's going to do. So this morning, that's what we're going to pray. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and this message has touched you, and there's something that you're like, you know, I didn't agree with that, let's get reacquainted with him this morning. Can we come and pray this morning and ask him to show us? Can't we ask him, hey, Lord, show me. Show me something that that I'm not getting. I've been so deceived by sin, I can't see it. Won't you come? Won't you come and let him show you? And I promise you, your life will be so much better. Oh, we're so scared of this and that and we don't want to do, but I'm telling you right now, if you follow God, it's a lot better place. He gives you life and gives it to you more abundantly. You're still going to have trouble in this world. He told us that. That's not how we gauge it. You know, i got eight houses and 14 cars and $40 million in the bank. Whoop-de-doo. doesn't have anything to do with whether or not God's blessed you or not. Okay? So let's come and pray this morning. Maybe you're supposed to be a Moses to somebody. You ever think of that? Or do we just want to come in here and sit and have our ears tickle, Miss Susie? If you ain't tickling my ears, I'm going to go find somebody that will. Brother Roger, let me tickle your ear because that's the only kind of tickling you're going to get. We're going to go with truth this morning because I'm telling you, friends, and over the next months and over the next years of Jesus' Terry, we're going to follow truth because truth will set us free. Truth will take families that are doing this and it will bring them here. That's what Jesus does. He is not a separator. Oh, he gathers us in. He brings us unto himself. Amen? Ain't that what the Bible teaches? And we got to soak it in. We can't let anger and we can't let bitterness that the devil wants to put on us take us to the place that we say, I don't want to receive that. Because friends, I want you to know when God shows you something and you deny it, you just became God. And I'm telling you, I'll say it right now just in plain English for you. You have just walked away from salvation. No amens on that one. You know why? Because those numbers we just showed you, Everybody thinks that, well, I said a sinner's prayer and I'm good to go and I can live however I want. Wrong. Wrong. The preacher, amen. me. You spent 44 years with these people, man. How come they didn't amen? Did you not teach them? No, I know he did. I know he taught it. But that's where we're at. That's where we're at. Come and pray this morning. Friends, So much is like riding on it. Well, you know what? They they won't have the first batch of chicken out. I don't care. Is chicken more important for you? Go for the second batch. When the crowds leave, you get so much better. Come and pray this morning. Come and pray and let God show you. Come on, get up out of your seats. Let's go. Get up. Get up. Get up. And come and ask God to help you. Maybe it ain't just about you. Maybe he's got somebody for you to reach. Take a little bit of truth to them and let the truth set them free. That's what we do.